0: We always give an invitation here, and it's an invitation—not to join this church, not to become a member of this church. It's, it's an invitation to re- receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, because that's what it's all about. It's all about: Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And uh, it's—I think it's—it uh, is kind of unique that uh, the Lord laid this sermon on my heart a long time ago to preach this sermon, and uh, I hadn't preached this sermon in years and years. And it's—it's uh, uh, it's an encounter with Jesus Christ, and. Uh, some of y'all, it's the first time I've seen y'all's faces, and uh, to, to know y'all are coming in here as visitors, and I don't know your state of condition, I don't know, I haven't had a chance to talk to y'all personally if you've received Jesus Christ or not, but to me, it's uh, God makes divine appointments, and it's, it's no coincidence that the Lord laid this uh, sermon on my heart to preach on just, just this day, Amen. and the Bible says today's the day of salvation, and if you never can think of a time that you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior... Uh, When we give the invitation, don't be slack. Come on up here. Uh, Receive Jesus Christ. Take that free gift of eternal life. Know where you're going to go when you take your last breath. And you might be young in here, and you might say, well, I'm young. I've still got some years to go. Hey, I I, I was talking to my best friend when he was uh, 14 years old, and I was 13 years old. I was talking to him on the telephone, and he had a shotgun laying there by, by his bed, and he moved that shotgun while I was talking to him on the telephone. The shotgun went off, blew his guts out, and he died while I was on the phone with him. My mom uh, passed away of cancer at the age of 44. Uh, my dad was murdered at the age of 39. I was only eight years old when my dad was murdered, so death's been around me, and to me, uh, death is just right around the corner. I, I can't guarantee you what tomorrow's going to bring, and I know one thing I do know is that when God gets ready to pull your number, you will go. I've had people that, uh, doctor, uh, we got Sister Mary up there, they called her, she's in the hospital, and uh, the, the doctors came in there and basically said she's about to die, she's about doing this, and I told her, I said, we're going to be praying for you, little, you know, I'll tell you something, Mary, the doctors might have an opinion, but God's got a bigger opinion, and it's when he decides you're going to go, and she's still, she's still hanging on, I mean, uh, I have an uncle that they said, they called them in there just a couple of nights ago, he's about to die, you, you know, you said and uh, They say he's doing a lot better. You know, uh, the point is, is when the Lord gets ready to take you, that's when you'll go. But this is an encounter with Jesus Christ. This woman's going to have in uh, John chapter 4, starting in verse 5. And then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Now, the sixth hour in our Bible would be about noontime. And there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Look at what Jesus Christ says in verse 10. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that said to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. you got to understand the context of this, of this encounter with Jesus Christ. This woman is a Samaritan. A Samaritan is a half Jew and a half Gentile. And you go back into the... Old Testament, and they were they were Jews, and they had gotten away from what God, how God had told them to worship. They decided they wanted to worship their own way on their own mountain, and we'll get it, We'll get into that in a minute. And uh, the Jews, had, of course, had followed God's way and followed God's words. And and Jesus Christ, of course, was a Jew, and uh, they didn't have anything to do with the Samaritans. And they would uh, the Jews would look on the Samaritans as dogs and uh, as outcasts. And the Samaritans were uh, were were very jealous of the Jews, so. For a Jew and a Samaritan to have anything to do with each other was pretty rare. And especially for a Jew to ask a, a, a Samaritan, especially a Samaritan woman of anything. So here's a Samaritan. She goes up to this well. And it's just like any other day. It's like today for you. It's like any other day. You get up this morning. You, you go on to church. You're not thinking about what's going to happen. And then you have an encounter with this man, Jesus Christ. And you don't, you don't tend to talk to him. But somehow or another, he starts talking to you. And he says, give me, verse 7, he says, give me to drink. Some of y'all in here this morning that the Lord automatic already has been speaking to your heart this morning. I can't explain it to you. It's a spiritual voice that speaks to your heart. It tugs at your strings. Sometimes you get some you get some goosebumps down your arms. Your hair raises up on the back of your neck. But the Lord, the Holy Spirit moves and He starts speaking to your heart. Let me tell you something about this Bible. What I've learned all these years of studying this Bible. This Bible's not about ninety nine sheep that are found. This Bible's about the one lost sheep. Amen. That, this Bible's about the man that has 99 sheep that he loves, that he's found, that he's keeping, but there's one lost sheep, and he leaves those 99 sheep, he goes to find that one lost sheep. If you're in here this morning, and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're that lost sheep. And let me tell you something, Jesus Christ loves you. And Jesus Christ, if He's standing in this room this morning, He's not standing behind the pastor. He's not standing behind the song leader, the song, play, the piano player. Jesus Christ is standing behind the lost man, the lost woman, the lost boy, the lost girl. He loves you. You say, "How much does He love me, brother?" He loves you enough to die for you. And He says, "Give me to drink." He shouldn't have been talking to her, but He says, "Give me to drink." Now she's going to use five different arguments. She's going to use five different arguments to try to avoid salvation in Jesus Christ. And that's what I'm going to show you this morning. Out of these scriptures, out of the Bible, she's going to use five different arguments. And there's usually about five different ways people try to argue out of getting saved. When you try to witness somebody, you try to talk to them about the Lord Jesus Christ, you try to lead them to Jesus Christ, they usually have five different ways to try to argue out of it. And she uses these five different ways. And the first way she tries to argue out of it is there found in verse 9. She says, Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest the drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria... For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans, and I just explained why that was. Now, guys, that's a social argument. She's using the social argument. She's saying, you know, Jesus. Uh, what we, what the world would say, Jesus Christ is is a Jew. Jesus Christ is is not the same color as me. Jesus Christ is for everybody. It don't matter if you're black or, or 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 yellow or Mexican or Hispanic or whatever you want to call yourself. You know, when you you go onto these, uh, go, you go onto a government website, you have to fill out some kind of government form and say what what race are you? There's about twenty of. Them. I didn't know there's that. Many races in America, and they have so many different ways of saying Caucasian and white and black and African, because they don't want to offend anybody. Jesus Christ is for everybody, so the social argument doesn't hold up, but poor people will say, well, I don't have enough money. And I have people say that to me when I say, well, why don't you come on out to church sometime? People say, well, I don't have have very good clothes. Well, if you come out here, you'll find out you don't need to have very good clothes. (laughs) Amen. The only reason I dress like this is because they make me dress like this. So when y'all come in, y'all say, well, that's the pastor. Now I know who that is, (laughs) you know. That's why I wear a tie. And Brother Raymond loves to try to rip my tie off. So if you come in here, my tie's all crooked. Brother Raymond's already got here and and messed with my tie. The point is, is it doesn't matter what clothes you have. Jesus Christ, I I read in my Bible, Jesus Christ, He came to lepers. He came to people that that had diseases, that had rotted clothes. What I read about my Bible, Jesus Christ was a friend of sinners. Your poor argument doesn't hold up. Your social argument of, well, I'm poor and I can't afford it. Hey, you can't afford it. Listen here, He says there in verse 10, He says, If thou knewest the gift of God. The gift of God. Guys, this is not a, this is not something you're gonna earn. This is not something you're gonna to have to work for. This gift I'm offering you this morning in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ says it's a gift. In Romans chapter 6, it says it's a free gift. It's a free gift. Revelation says it's a, you can come take of the water freely. <laughs> come freely. This is free, man. I, if this was something you had to buy, I wouldn't be selling it. Hey Amen. This, if this was something that you had to spend money on, I personally, I'm a horrible salesman. I, I couldn't do it. That's why when you came in here this morning and you sat on that pew, not a single person passed the offering plate in front of you. You notice that? Nobody came and said, pass the offering plate. Well, you said, well, it's all about money. You to, no, it's not about money. It's all about your soul. It's all about Jesus Christ. Where are you at with Jesus Christ? No, it's not. You can't use a social argument. Jesus Christ was a friend of sinners. You, rich people will say that's for the others that need it. That's what rich people say. The social argument rich people use is they'll say that's for others. That, those are for others that need it. Uh, Brother Packer, when he was a young preacher, now Brother Packer's in his 70s now. When he lived down in Houston, and he, remember, he said, I, went, I knocked on this doctor's door, and I was going to witness to this doctor. And I said, uh, uh, Doctor, I just want to talk to you about Jesus Christ. He said, Son, he goes, you need to go to other people that need that. Now, friends, that doctor needs Jesus Christ. <laughs> He doesn't realize it. Listen, the Bible says all, all, A-L-L, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. All our righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of the Lord. Listen, you're a sinner, and it doesn't matter if you're the president of the United States or if you're a street sweeper or a trash truck driver. You are a sinner, according to the Bible. You've got sins, and that includes your grandmother. That includes uh, your mom. That includes everybody you've ever known, everybody you've ever loved. They might be a better person than you were, or they might have been a better person than somebody else. But see, your righteousness is not going to be judged against other people's righteousness. You can't say, well, see, I'm better than my." Neighbor, no, God's going to judge you against the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and you can't stand up against that kind of righteousness of Jesus Christ. So that's what rich people say, that's for, that's for other people, but all need Jesus Christ, all need to be saved from hell. That's a dirty word, nobody likes to hear is hell, but we all need to be saved from hell. Amen. Jesus Christ says, He that believeth on me is not condemned. Do you believe on Jesus Christ? That's my question this morning. Jesus Christ says he that believeth on me is not condemned. Then he went on to say this, very interesting. He said, he that believeth not is condemned already. If you want to read it it's John 3:18. He that believeth on me is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. You're already condemned. You're sentenced, man. You've already been sentenced. So the social argument doesn't hold up. So Jesus Christ says in verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God. Now that gift is a free gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. And who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink. Thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. This isn't something you ask me of. You don't have to you come and say, Hey, Brother Keegan, I, I, I need to get saved. No, you need to ask Jesus Christ to save you. This, this is, you ask, see, it says you need to ask. have asked of Him. This is something you do say, Well, I'm, I'm going to go get baptized and get saved, or I'm going to go work and do this and get saved. Or, I'm, no, you need to ask Jesus Christ. He's the one that's going to save you. He's the one that's going to give you salvation. And He would have given thee living water. That's an amazing thing, that living water. Verse 11, The woman saith unto him, Sir... Thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? So the second argument she uses, she uses a skeptical argument. She's the argument of skepticism. Well, I won't believe it unless I see it. Show it to me. That's what I get sometimes. I witness people that say, well, show it to me. I won't believe it unless I can see it. I, I, I won't believe it. Well, you've never seen your brains, and you believe you got brains, don't you? <laughs> well, I mean... Just for the record, some of us doubt you do, but I mean, I, the science tells us that I, even though I hadn't seen them in your head, that you're supposed to have brains. Let, let, me, let me just, speaking of brains, think about this. Think about if I was to take a brain, a piece of flesh, and just flop it right down here on the Lord's Supper day, and just flop that down there. How disgusting that looks. And then I was to tell you, there's electrical charges that go through there, and those electrical charges, they're going to give you emotions, they're going to give you Thoughts and ideas. Those electrical charges going through this piece of flesh, they give you thoughts and ideas. They make you very unique from every individual. There's seven billion people in the world, and those electrical charges make you unique from every other. How ludicrous does that sound? It sounds ludicrous in science, doesn't it? But with God, that's not ludicrous. That's God. He created you. He gave you that brain. He He gives you this life. The skepticism doesn't hold up. Guys, uh, when you say, uh, talking about the world and, you know, God and how this, we came into being, how you got life. Everyone in the sound my voice, you have life from God. And to think about how life started, to think that, I've heard a guy describe it this way. He says, you refuse to take a million letters and take a million letters and you to throw those million letters up in the air. And if they was to land and, and land and form a perfect dictionary, that's the odds it would take to create life. Well, you know, that's impossible. You know that's impossible. But even if that dictionary was to be there and those million letters were to land and form a perfect dictionary, you still have to have a a sentient life to say that's a dictionary. (laughs) You realize that life is not just something moving and blood running through you. You've got thoughts and ideas that are very unique to you. Your ideas and thoughts are different than mine. Even Even twins, they think differently. They act differently. Guys, God created you just like He wants you. <laughs> Y'all been reading through the book of Exodus with me and the, and the reading challenge? Remember when Moses told God, well, I, I can't speak? Well, don't send me. What did God say? Did I not make the dumb? Did I not make the deaf? Did I not make the blind? God said, I made all them. God made you just like you are. God made Sister Alice just like she is. He wanted her that way. He made me without hair. <laughs> He made y'all all unique, but he loves you just the way you are. <laughs> Verse 12, And art thou greater, art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle. So now she uses the argument. Now she's skeptical because he's trying to, she says, you don't have nothing to draw water from. How are you going to give me this water? And she's skeptical of that. And now she's using a denominational Denominational argument. She's a denominational. There in verse twelve, shall y'all? Art thou greater than our father Jacob? That's a denominational argument. In Other words, when I go and witness, and we've knocked on some doors, and we talk to people, and you say, "Well, do you know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior?" They'll say, "Well, I'm I'm a Catholic," or "I'm a Lutheran," or "I'm a Methodist," or "I'm a Baptist." I'm not asking you what you are. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I'm not asking you what somebody's taught you to believe. I'm asking you: Have you received personally Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior? Have you took Him? Have you took the free gift? And that's a denominational argument you get. See, the problem is this: the problem is this is that she's thinking with a with a physical, in a physical sense. It's just like the, the skeptics never get it, and some people, some even some people who are going to church never get this. All this stuff is spiritual, guys. When Jesus Christ said you must be born again, Nicodemus didn't get it. He had to explain it to him. This is spiritual. All this stuff is a spiritual something spiritual is going to happen in your life. I can't make it happen. There's not a man on the earth that can make it happen. God's got to make it happen. You, the ball's in your court, though. You've got to receive. See, Jesus Christ, he's not, he's not rude. He's not going to come barging in your door, come barging in your life, come barging in your house, in your heart. He stands in verse, uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. It says he stands at the door of your heart, and he knocks. He's a gentleman. And he's done it all. Now all you've got to do is receive him. You've got to allow him to come in. Now, are you going to do it? Now I'll tell you what I did when I was 17 years old. I heard this same type of preaching I heard about Jesus Christ. I knew I was a sinner. It was real easy to convince me I was a sinner. And I, I heard the preacher say, if you want to receive Jesus Christ, just come on down and receive Jesus Christ. And at 17 years old, I just walked down the aisle. I put my hand in the preacher's hand and I said, I want to be saved. I want to see- receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I bowed my head and I prayed and I asked Jesus Christ to save me and I've never been the same. Amen. Now, there's different ways to get saved. You can, get, you can pray and get saved in a car, in a house, at the side of your bed. I've heard of people praying and getting saved in a bar. You can get saved in a cemetery. You can get saved wherever you're at. But wherever, what you've got to do, you've got to call on the right name of Jesus Christ. You've got to call on the right one. And he's the one that's offering it to you. But this, she's thinking in a, in a carnal way. She's thinking of, that he's at, offering her real water like you'd find in a cup here. And this is not the water he's offering her. He's offering her some spiritual water. Something the world can't give you. So look at verse 13. Jesus answered, said unto her, well, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give them shall never thirst. Amen. See, he's going to give this to you. It's not, he didn't say, whoever earns this water, I'll give it to them. He says, I'll give this to them. See, all, th- what this boils down to is this is, a, this is Jesus Christ trying to offer you something this morning. He's trying to offer this woman here something this morning. But whosoever drinketh of this water that I shall give him shall never thirst. Let me tell you something. When I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I took a long, tall drink of Jesus Christ, and I got saved, Amen. I've never been the same. And everything else is sewer water. You know, I studied Jehovah's Witnesses, I studied the Muslims, I've studied all, because of being a preacher, I just, I feel like it's my job to find out what other people believe, what they're teaching, and I see all this stuff, and I'm like, man, that's just sewer water. Man, when you've got the real water, the clean water of Jesus Christ, I've never thirsted again. I've never thirsted again, like, oh, well, I wonder if Muhammad would be the way, or, or Buddha, or, or Shintoism, or any other. I never have wondered that. I've never wondered that, and I've looked into that, and I'm like, no, that's not, that's sewer water. I've got the real water in Jesus Christ. I've never thirsted again, and that's something that's spiritual. But the water, Jesus Christ in the middle of verse 14 says, But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Talking about the Holy Spirit comes in and starts dwelling in you, and then that water starts coming forth. And you know what happens when the water comes forth from you? Then other people can come drink of you, and they get that water, and then they spread that water. See, that's a gospel message. That's the Holy Spirit's living in me, and he wants to start living in you, and he's flowing out of me, and he wants, he's talking, speaking to your heart, and you've got to res- let him come in. He's knocking. He's knocking. And Jesus Christ is trying to talk to this woman about this, the Samaritan. And she's arguing with him. She's giving him all kinds of different ways that she thinks she can get out of it. And she doesn't understand. Uh, verse 15, the woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I, th- that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. So, he, so she finally says, you know what, I'll take some of this water. <laughs> but look what Jesus Christ does in verse 16. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. <laughs> all of a sudden Jesus switches gears he says okay well go get your husband and come on up here well you know what Jesus knows she doesn't have a husband and look what she says in verse 17 the woman answered and said uh, I have no husband Jesus said unto her thou hast well said I have no husband for thou hast had five husbands and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband and that saidest thou truly so, yeah I, I know you don't have a husband and I know you've had about five of them. And I know the one you're living with right now, you're not even married to him. What's Jesus Christ doing right there? Jesus Christ is showing her that she is a sinner. He offered her the water already. He's making sure she realizes that she's a sinner. Guys, if you're going to come to Jesus Christ, you've got to realize you're a sinner. Amen. This is a free gift for people that are sick. And I've done told you the Bible says everybody's sick. But if you don't think you're sick, then you can't take the gift. What I'm trying to say to you is you've you've got to be a convict before you can be a convert. In other words, you've got to know that, hey, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that I'm going to hell. And I know I deserve hell. And without Jesus Christ, that's where I'm going to go. And I'm going to call on Him and ask Him to save me. And you know what? That's the kind of prayer that Jesus Christ will hear. Jesus Christ will save you. But you can't come up self-righteous and say, well, I'm just going to take this gift. Jesus Christ stops her right there and says, well, now go call her husband. He's showing to her that she's a sinner. Can you admit you're a sinner this morning? Man, you know, growing up, I don't know. I grew up so wicked, and I grew up in a real, and it's lucky I'm not in prison. This was never hard for me to admit that I'm a sinner, that I've done things wrong, that I've done things against God. This was not hard for me at all. But I know for some of y'all, it's real hard to admit that. And because you know why? Because y'all are good people. Y'all would never steal. Y'all would, y'all would try the best of your ability, never to live. You never, you'd never commit adultery. You would never sleep around. There's a lot of, you would never do a lot of these things that a lot of us in here have done and as sinners. But you know what? Like I told you, Jesus Christ was a friend of sinners. Amen. And he would come to them, and he would talk to them, and show them where they were wrong. And what you need this morning, if if you have this heart this morning where you say, well, I don't know if there's something wrong with me. You need Jesus Christ to show you that there's something wrong with you. When I got saved and I walked down the aisle and I got saved, I thought I was a sinner but I did not know how big a sinner I was. (laughs) It took the Holy Spirit coming into me and here's this Holy Spirit coming into me. All of a sudden I got this new life and I'm so excited and all of a sudden I started realize, man, I I need to stop doing this. I need to stop acting this way. I need to stop talking this way. I need to and man, the Holy Spirit started cleaning. And it wasn't all at once, but he starts working on a little piece of here, and he's not now. He comes into my life, he comes into my heart, and his heart's full of sin, it's full of all this corruption, and, and the Holy Spirit starts in, and he says, okay, now, Jesus Christ says, okay now, now clean that up. So over, the, over a couple of years, I'm trying to clean this up out of there, and I get that done, and all right, I got that took care of, and Jesus Christ says, now come, now come over here. Now, see the, now clean that up. And Then, he, then after I get that clean, come, now, now, come on. you see that jealousy right there? I want you to start cleaning that up. Now, now see that envy over here? I want you to start cleaning that up. And he, he works on you a little bit at a time and a little bit at a time. You don't realize how big a sinner you are until you receive Jesus Christ. Amen. You get around his holiness. You get around his holiness, his purity. You realize, hey, I, I, am, I am a sinner. And that's what Jesus Christ is trying to show her here is that she is a sinner. And she says, uh, yes, I, no, I have no husband. In verse 19, And the woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Yeah, that's pretty easy to perceive because he's telling her stuff. There's no way that he can know he's telling her that stuff. Jesus Christ is showing his deity there is what he's doing. Verse 20, Our fathers, now she's going to use the fourth argument. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain. That was Mount Ephraim. And ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. So she's going to start using a doctrinal argument. That's a doctrinal argument, and that doctrinal argument is that fathers worship in in this mountain, which is Mount Ephraim, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Now, the Jews say you should worship in Jerusalem, and the Samaritans say you should worship over here in Samaria, and and sacrifice in Samaria. Who's right? It's just an opinion, amen? Amen, Amen, it's just an opinion. It's, It's Jesus Christ's opinion, and the Jews' opinion, against the Samaritans' opinion. But who's right? Why is Jesus right? They say, ye say that in Jerusalem. Why do they say that you should do that in Jerusalem? That's what God said. (laughs) You know why they do it that way? Because God told them to do it that way. They're following the words of God. Somewhere along the way, the Samaritans got away from the words of God and started trying to do it their way. The reason why the Jews say you worship in Jerusalem because that's what God said to do. Amen. When you hear me say, you need to receive Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you need to believe on the Lord Jesus you know why I say that? Because that's what God said. Amen. It's not my opinion. You see, when, doctrinally, when you're arguing, you say, well, doctrinally, you would argue, and I have people argue, well, I was taught this. And I, and I believe this, or my preacher said this, or, or, or if you talk to a Jehovah's Witness, they'll say, well, the organization preaches this, and the Watchtower publication says this. I don't care what they say. What does the Bible say? Who cares what your mom said or your grandmother said or your aunt said? I have some crazy aunts and uncles and grandmothers. And I have, a, I have an aunt that I love to death like a mother. And she's really, really a, a real good Christian. But she's wrong on some things. Because she doesn't take it out of the Bible. She just, that's what she believes in. She's taught me like that's the truth. And it took me years of studying. like oh, That's not true. It's not what I say. It's not what some other preacher says. It's what does the Bible say. If if you doubt what I'm saying, go home and read your Bible. We'll give you one. I'll give you a Bible. It's there for you to read. I want you to read it. We encourage you to read it. We want you to hear what God says. That's where they got it wrong. They had stopped following what God said and started trying to do it their own way. You say, well, why, why do you believe the Bible then? If you can't believe his opinion and you can't believe her opinion, but you can believe the opinion of the Bible, then why do you believe what the Bible says? One simple word. Prophecy. Amen. This Bible tells you what's going to happen before it happens. It's, it's an amazing book. It's, you know, when I first started studying this book when I was 21 years old, I, I honestly, in my heart, and this is just how wicked a person I am, I'm like, I'm going to study the Bible and I'm going to find these errors and I'm going to find all these problems. And, I, you know, I, not, I, not that I want to, but I was kind of afraid I was going to. And now that, now that it's 25 years later, I'm like, I stand back and I say, This book is holy and amazing. The more I study it, the more amazing it becomes. It's the prophecy in here. And Jesus is about to prophesy right now. Read with me. Read with me. He's about to prophesy right now. Verse 21, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me. Look what he says. Believe me. Woman, believe me. The hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet in Jerusalem worship the Father. Woo! What did he just say there? He said, let me tell you something. There's going to come a time, you're not going to be worshiping in this mountain, and they're not going to be worshiping them over there in Jerusalem. What's he talking about? 70 A.D., when the Romans came in under Titus, and they, took, they went into Jerusalem, and they went into the temple, and they destroyed the, the temple mount, and they destroyed Jerusalem, and they ran all the Jews out, and the Jews were scattered for about 2,000 years almost, until 1948. They were scattered out, just like Jesus said it would happen. In another part, Jesus is walking with his disciples and they're saying, Lord, look at, this, look at this temple. And Jesus is walking with them in the temple and goes, see these stones? There's not going to be one of these stones left unturned upon another. They couldn't believe it. These stones were huge. When Titus came in in 70 A.D. to destroy Jerusalem and destroy the temple, they believed in their heart that the Jews had, had hid gold underneath those rocks. You know what they did? every rock was turned upside down. That's why when you look at the wailing wall, it's flat like this. And they had the dome of the rock where the Muslims have built that dome, but that thing is flat like that. Why is that like that? Because they went and they turned every big stone looking for gold. Just like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ said they would. That's amazing, guys. You know why the Jews came back in 1948? Because God said it would happen in the end times, just like the book said, and it happened. You know what he said, it happened? He said they would be born in a day. Amen. Who's heard of a nation being born at once? When did that happen? 1948, United Nations got together, they voted, in one day, and they, the, Israel had no nation, and in one day, United Nations voted, Israel's a nation, one day. Amen. That's prophecy, friend. You can't deny this stuff. It's happening before your very eyes. Now you might be a skeptic and you might want to put on blinders and you might want to deny it and say, well, I don't want to believe that. I don't want to believe that. But you can just not believe that all the way down into hell. But if you want the truth and Jesus Christ said the truth shall make you free, come looking for the truth. It'll be amazing what you find out. Turn off the internet. Turn off Facebook and start finding it out for yourself. It drives me crazy. People read this nonsense. Somebody just throws something up on Facebook and on Twitter and on, on social media and on a history Channel, and they just get, get out the spoon and just lap it up. Never checking it. Check it. Yeah. Study for yourself. Don't believe everything you read and hear. It just drives me crazy. She said, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor in yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. Well, that's one thing they don't like right there, see. Verse 22, he says, "Ye worship, ye know not what. If you're trying to worship God the Father outside of Jesus Christ, you're worshiping the devil. I don't care if you're a Muslim, if you're a Buddhist. I don't care how, you, how you're doing it. If you're trying to come to God the Father, and you're trying to worship God the Father outside of Jesus Christ, you're worshiping the devil. The devil set up that religious system just like that. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. He said, the, the, the. I am the way, the truth, the light. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's what Jesus Christ said. That's John chapter 14. Read it for yourself. So if you're trying to go through Muhammad or Buddha or some other way other than Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ says, you worship ye know not what. You don't even know what you're worshiping. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Our savior is a Jew. Jesus Christ is a Jew. The salvation is of the Jews. Verse 23, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. He so said there's true worshipers. If Jesus Christ says there's true worshipers, what does that mean? There must be false worshipers. There's false worshipers. Just because you hear somebody say the, say the name Jesus, Jesus, Jesus don't mean they know the same Jesus me and you are talking about. When you hear a Jehovah's Witness, and we're studying this on Wednesday night, when they talk about Jesus, they're talking about Michael the archangel. we were studying that. We're finding, they're not even talking about the same Jesus. Guys, you've got to read and you got to find out who's Jesus Christ. Worship the Father through Jesus Christ. Worship Him in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God wants you to... Come through Jesus Christ. Come by the way of the cross and worship God the Father through Jesus Christ. That's where God gets the glory. That's where Jesus Christ gets the glory. That's the spirit. That's the truth. Look at verse 24. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. See, these are spiritual things. That's why I can talk about this and talk about this and show you water sitting in a cup and I can talk to you about all these things, but this is a spiritual transformation that nobody can do for you but God. You must receive Jesus Christ and when you receive Jesus Christ, then God gets in you and you're born again. He said, Jesus said, you must be born again. These are all spiritual things. Going to church doesn't prove you're saved. Reading your Bible doesn't prove you're saved. Talking about Jesus doesn't prove you're saved. The way you prove you're saved is, have you received Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior? Do you have a testimony in your heart that I've received Jesus Christ and I know I'm going to heaven? I know, going. I know I'm going. Amen. There's a testimony you have. The Spirit in you cries out, Abba, Father. Father. And I've done some rotten things as a Christian. I've done some horrible things as a Christian. But my spirit still cries out, Abba, Father. Because he's my father. You know what happened when I started doing some horrible things when Jesus Christ, I received Jesus Christ and God's my father now. You know what he does now as a father? He takes me and he spanks me. He takes me and he spanks me. Hebrews chapter 12. He spanks you. You're his child now. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Verse 25, she uses her last argument to try to get out of it. See, she's arguing with Jesus, trying to get out of him. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah's coming, which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. That's called a postponement. That's called a postponement argument. She says, yeah, I know the Messiah is coming, and when he shows up, he'll tell us all things. See, she's trying to postpone it. That's one of the greatest sins that a lost man or woman does, is you'll, you'll talk to them about Jesus Christ, and you'll see the conviction in their heart. And you'll see it in their eyes. And you're you're talking to them, you're showing them Scripture, and you can see the Holy Spirit working on them. And right when the Holy Spirit's working on them, and they know the truth, and they can see the truth, and they know they need to receive Jesus Christ, and He's knocking on the door of their heart, they postpone it. They postpone it. They say, uh, another day, maybe later. When I get a little older, and I told you when we first started up preaching that uh, don't wait get you get older, you never know what tomorrow is going to bring. Yeah, amen. What they're afraid of is they're afraid of that the truth they're afraid of is that Jesus Christ is going to take away their love of this world. You're so deep into this world and the devil's got you so fooled that this world is so wonderful and everything's so great and everything you're doing every, is so wonderful and he's got you so fooled. And there's pleasure in sin for a season, the Bible says. There's pleasure in drinking. There's pleasure in doing lots of the sin that we do. There's a lot of pleasure in that. And we wouldn't do it, amen? It feels good to do it for a season. But us old people with no hair, and with some gray hairs, we understand that when you keep doing that sin, there's a payday someday. And the Bible says, be sure, be sure your sin will find you out. And there's some things, some things I've done in the past that I've done when I was 10, 12, 13 years old that now I'm in my 40s, I'm paying for it. Amen. And I did it when I was 15 and 16 and I'm paying for it. Be sure your sin will find you out. And they're afraid that if I receive Jesus Christ, I know it's the truth, that all my fun will go away. All my joy will go away. Guys, you don't even know what fun and joy and peace is when you're living out in the world. (laughs) You think you're having fun. You think you're having joy. And the reason why some of us came to Jesus Christ is because we got to the bottom of the barrel and we tasted everything the world could give us. And we got at the bottom of the barrel and we said, Is this it? And Jesus Christ came in through the Holy Spirit and said, No, it's me. You haven't tried me yet. And some of us, when we're at the bottom of the barrel, druggies, alcoholics, wife beaters, murderers, all the things you can think of we've done, that we've done it, we're at the bottom of the barrel, there's nowhere else for us to go, and Jesus shows up to the Holy Spirit and says, Are you, there's me to try. Amen. I want you. I love you, I died for you, I paid for that sin, you just did. And we, with an open heart, say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner, will you, will you, will you take me? And the Lord said, I'll take you. I'll take you. When that thief was hanging up on the cross and Jesus was hanging with him, he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus Christ said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Amen. He couldn't come down to do anything for the Lord. He couldn't do anything. And the Lord said, you can come with me. See, that's Jesus Christ. But some of y'all are out here and you haven't tasted all the world has for you. You haven't done all the world has for you. You don't realize where it leads. If you look at movie stars, I'll give you a good, good example If you look at like Robin Williams, there's a man that could have had uh, the funniest guy you can think of, living the dream, has all the money you can think of, and what did he do? He ended up hanging himself. How many movie stars, how many rock and roll stars, they get all the money they want, they get all the women they want, they get all the fame, and then they end up killing themselves. Why is that? Because they show up and they say, is this it? (laughs) And that's what some of us have done in here. We've clawed our way to the bottom of the barrel and we say, is this it? And Jesus Christ says, no, this is not it. You haven't tried me postponement. I've only told this story twice. I've been preaching here for 11 years and I've only told this story twice. And the Lord laid it on my heart to tell this story this morning. With all these visitors and with some of us who have never been in here before, uh, I think it's why the Lord laid it on my heart to tell this story. It was a true story. The girl was... Uh, convicted about her sin and she knew she needed to get saved she was a, she was a teenage girl and she came to the preacher and her dad and mom and dad took her to the preacher and uh, she said uh, the, I, I know I want to and told the preacher I know I want to get saved I need to get saved he said well what's holding you back she goes I just don't know I just don't know I just don't know he goes well do you want to get saved she goes yeah I, I think I, I want to get saved but I, I just don't know. I, know I know Jesus Christ is the Savior and, and I, I know I'm a sinner but I, I just and it was something was holding her back She was postponing it. She was there was just something in her heart that she was afraid that Jesus Christ was going to take away some joy she was going to have or take away some things she wanted to do out in the world and she just she knew that she couldn't receive Jesus Christ and still love the things of the world and she was worried about this stuff and and the pastor said well when I give the invitation just come on down you ready to get saved and one Sunday night they had, a, had the service and the preacher was preaching just like we're doing in here and he gave the invitation like I'm about to give and she got up and her dad got excited and her dad's the one that told the story and her dad got excited and the young teenage girl started walking down the aisle and she was getting about halfway down the aisle and she was going slow and then she just stopped and she grabbed her hair and she said, No! And she turned around and she walked back and sat back in the pew and her dad was just startled. She wouldn't receive Jesus Christ few weeks later, they were going somewhere and this teenage daughter was in the car in front of the mom and dad and they were driving along and they were following the daughter and the daughter was run over and there was a 18-wheel, and an 18-wheeler and 18-wheeler veered off and hit the daughter and the daughter's car went off in front of the mom and dad. They could see everything take place. Went off the road, rolled, flipped over, car burst into flames and the dad jumped out and he runs over there and he couldn't get into the car and the car burst into flames and you know how hot the heat is and he's see her in there and she's burning and she's like, Daddy! She's like, Daddy! And he's, he didn't know what the dude, he said, cry out to Jesus. Cry out to Jesus. And she said, no. And she burned up alive without Jesus Christ. It's sad. I have loved ones. I have loved ones. And I know Brother Alvin have loved ones that we love. We love with all our heart. And We've talked to them about Jesus Christ. Would you take Jesus Christ? I don't want that. You're a religious fanatic. You holy roller, I don't want that. But please, just take Jesus Christ. Just take, I don't want that right now. I don't want to talk about it. And we have people do that to us over and over again. And Jesus Christ is there to save them, and they won't take it. It's postponing it. It's postponing it. Verse 26 Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto them and unto thee am he. He says, all you need to do is believe. Just believe on me. And upon this came the disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman, yet no man said, what seekest thou her? Why talkest thou with her? See, they're wondering why why Jesus is talking to the Samaritan. And the woman that left her water pot And went her way into the city and saith unto the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? She says she left her water pot. See, she forgot about her physical needs. She went down there to get water. She forgot all about her physical needs. So much so she just left her water pot. She ran because she had found her spiritual needs. And if you're here this morning, you have spiritual needs. I don't care what the world tells you, what the devil tries to tell you, what TV or the Internet tries to tell you. You have a spiritual need that God's put in your heart. You need to worship. You need a God to worship. And what the world does, they're worshiping their mind or they're worshiping science or they're worshiping knowledge or they're worshiping the devil or they're worshiping some false religion. But everybody's worshiping something. God's put it in your heart to worship. And if you're here this morning, God wants you to worship Him through Jesus Christ. And you'll, you'll find Jesus Christ and all these things of the world that you think you love, all the money and the riches and the fame and anything you can think of you want to do, that'll all go away when you have the man Jesus Christ, the living water. You'll never thirst for this stuff again. You'll, want Jesus, you'll have Jesus Christ. He says, come see, is this not he which was told, is this not the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. Now skip down to verse 39 for time's sake. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him. He that believeth on me is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already. For the saying of the woman which testified, He told me all that I ever I did. Woo! So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. And he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own words. See how they're believing? Verse 42. And said unto the woman, Now we believe. Not because of thy saying, not because of something the preacher said. For we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Amen. Amen. They believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. And they, more importantly, believe that Jesus Christ is their Savior. Amen. Guys, it's not enough to believe. The Bible says the devils believe and tremble with fear. You need to make Jesus Christ your personal Savior. Can you think of a time that you personally have received Jesus Christ as your Lord saved? You got down and said, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, Lord, and I know I'm I'm bad, and Father, I know I'm going to hell, and I need you, Lord. Would you please save me, Jesus? Would you please save me? Have you ever called out to Jesus Christ like that in prayer, a similar prayer like that? I'm telling you, when you call out to Jesus Christ and call out sincerely, believing that he will save you, you will be saved. Guys, it's, it's something, you know, I can talk about the physical aspect of bowing your head. and talk about the physical aspect of, of praying. I can talk about all these physical aspects of walking down an aisle or whatever you're going to do. There's a, there's a, I talk about all these physical things, but this is not a physical thing. This is a spiritual thing that goes on in your heart. You know, when uh, Brother Josh, he was up here and he walked down the aisle. Brother, when you, when you were down in that pew and you decided in your heart, I want to receive Jesus Christ, you were saved before you stepped out and walked down the aisle. When you, and it's something that goes on in your heart. This other stuff is just something that comes out physically so other people can see it. This is a spiritual thing. These living waters are not something you can put in a cup. These living waters are something that God spiritually puts into your body. And it comes out. These are spiritual things. It's something the world doesn't understand. The world doesn't understand anything about spiritual life. Anything about the spiritual life. They understand nothing about the spiritual life. And they, they'll never understand it. They can't understand Christianity. They think it's silly. They, they can't understand it because they've never had the spiritual touch from God. Amen. When God reaches down with his finger and puts the Holy Spirit in you, this, this burden comes off of you and you explain it. I can't explain it. I just, I just know I'm saved. Amen. And it's all because of Jesus Christ. Have you received him? Have you received him? Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me and he did and I've never been the same and this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me now we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com until next time Casting all your care upon him